0: from the back burner podcast is sponsored by birch barrel birch barrel is live fire cooking at its finest uh it is an absolutely wonderful grill uh smoking baking roasting you name it it's, it's i can't i can't say enough good things about it i mean honestly uh and i mean whatever you prefer wherever you're out in the country i mean if you're out in georgia and you want to cook over peachwood awesome you want to be in texas and cook over mesquite super, you know, you're up, uh, uh, in Washington state and you just want to cook with Kingsford charcoal. I have no idea. Uh, absolutely works great. Um, flavor of the food is amazing. Um, and it's, and it's super simple to cook with it. It might seem complicated, but I mean, if you haven't seen one of these things in person, uh, you know, go check them out. They've got a ton of social media on their channels, but also visit birchbarrel.com. You can see the full line of products they have. I mean, it's not even just, the birch barrel itself. There's seasoning salts and knives, and uh, they've got their own charcoal, and it's it's it, it, it's pretty awesome. And if you find something you like, you want to get it. Use my promo code Burner B B-U-R, U R any art checkout for a ten percent discount. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is from the Backburner Podcast, and I am your host, Jonathan Odell, coming to you live from Yuma, Arizona. Um, as my next guest likes to call it, the Paris of, of the United States. Um, <clears throat> but uh, so we, uh, we've we been wrapping up kind of the opener of uh, dove season. Uh, a lot of hunting. Uh, uh, we're, we're getting close to the end of the the kind of opener opening weekend. And uh, yesterday, the really cool event was uh, the dove cook-off. Um, and uh, I, I have competed in this Dove Cook-Off for a number of years and and I will tell you that uh, this weekend I got to be a judge Um, and so as fun as it is as fun absolutely fun as it is to cook and compete uh, in this thing I'm I'm you know, I'm, I'm thinking judging is actually, you know, a, a pretty good thing too, because I get to try everyone else's food. That's usually the problem with the cookout is, or cookoff is that, you know, you, you rarely get a chance to try everyone else's food. I mean, you know, it's like you're cooking your own and, and submitting to the judges. So you kind of know what that tastes like, but you, you almost kind of, you're really curious about what other people have cooked and what it tastes like. And, and so I got that opportunity this weekend and, and completely, completely awesome. Uh, I, I'm, super happy with it but uh, uh let me introduce you to the to the kind of the grand poobah organizer of uh, <laughs> this year's event uh it is actually um justin nelson who's the president of the arizona chapter of the backcountry hunters and anglers welcome justin yeah thank you for having me <laughs> it has been a great weekend yeah it has been we're, we're sitting in the hotel room because it's uh we, we had a late night after. It, it, there were so many events going on. I helped out with a women's hunt in the morning, the cook-off in the early afternoon, the Yuma Valley Rotten Gun Club's Dove Hunter barbecue, and then went over to the pint night that mm-hmm. PHA was having. And we were there until uh, at least midnight or something like that. So yeah. it was, you know,
1: you're, you're up well before dawn. It, yeah. they're, they're long days. It's a nice full day for three straight days. Yeah. And wouldn't have it any other way. It's a lot. It's the best way to spend a weekend in Yuma. Uh, it, yeah. <laughs> it's uh,
0: uh, this dove season. How how did you feel so far? I mean, I know you you um, didn't come down specifically for the opener on opening day. You were you were hunting around the Phoenix area. How was that?
1: Yeah, I hunted opening morning um, just south of Phoenix, and it was fantastic. found a found a field um, that had a lot of birds flying. I think I had a limit. Um, shot, cleaned in the cooler by eight thirty, So it was, a, and, uh, along with five other people who did the same thing. So it was a great opening morning. And then after work Thursday, drove down, uh, got into Yuma Thursday afternoon, um, drove around a few fields, did a little bit of scouting. And then we hunted Friday morning, um, found a good field for our group hunt Saturday morning that had some good action on it. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, been a fun full weekend uh lots of opportunities at birds um you know they're a little bit more spread out this year but still still decent steady action yeah it
0: was it was i was a little a little kind of i'm always like on pins and needles until opening day happens because um we get these crazy monsoon storms down here in july and august in arizona and what we kind of hope for is that we do get the rain i mean obviously we want the rain it's it's the desert we need it yeah but at the same time these storms are so the monsoon storms for, for no one has ever seen it or experienced it you know if you've ever watched tv and watched that giant 60 wall, 60 mile long dust storm that like ate phoenix a number of years ago mm-hmm. they love showing that on tv um it, these are like these can be very violent storms um in the overall i mean like they're they're windy It's really hot. So sometimes there's a lot of heat lightning going on. Like they're spectacularly beautiful storms, but they can also be like seriously devastating. Um, We have a a weird occurrence out here. that's called a microburst uh, where it's like taking the energy of an entire storm and dropping it in like a, you know, a a hundred foot square. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All at one time from the sky. So all the air, all the rain, like it's, it just, it, it, it annihilates stuff. I mean, planes have to worry about because, I mean, it'll literally push a plane out of the sky because everything's falling so hard and so fast in this one spot. Yeah. That. Uh, the aftermath
1: looks like a bomb went off somewhere.
0: Yeah. It, it's, it, you know, for folks out there, like, you know, the Midwest suffers tornadoes and, you know, the East Coast has a lot of the hurricanes. And it, it, this is kind of, you know, our natural disaster that's that's it's really localized though. Like it isn't widespread, but I mean it's it's about as devastating. I mean people's trees are are ripped and uprooted. I was actually just driving out um in Dome Valley, which is outside here of, of uh, Yuma and uh it the storm that that came this year um and hit, there were all kinds of power lines that were broken in half <laughs> as I was going down this old farm road now. I mean these are the old like wooden poles and And things like that, but yeah, power lines are laying on the ground and stuff, so before uh, dove season happened, there was a couple of good storms that we, Yuma had been really dry um, which is great for holding doves, and then a couple of storms moved through just about a week or two before the season, and it blew the birds like all over the place. A lot of them started their mig- migration South, but I mean, they were scattered all over the place except for a few locations where the birds were able to kind of shelter in some tree belts and stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. um, where it sounded like world war three on opening day. Cause that's yeah. all the dove hunters found that pretty quickly and, and that, but um, even so it was still, still kind of a, a, you know,
1: we were all getting birds, you know? Oh yeah. Um, I didn't see anybody or hear of anybody. They got skunked. So, yeah, you know, maybe not got your limit um, right away. Might have taken all day instead of 15 minutes like some years. But um, <laughs> it uh, it's still, yeah, it's still the best spot that I know of to go dove hunting for right. sure. Yeah, no, we, we uh, really appreciate,
0: you know, I think if, if you were, as I tell people a lot, I said if you were trying to build the perfect place and habitat for doves, you'd build Yuma. Mm -hmm. there's just no question i mean uh, there's you know this this kind of mesa terrain feature which is covered in citrus orchards which makes great roosting and nesting habitat where doves can can nest in like incredibly stupid high densities and then Mm -hmm. off the mesa you have you know kind of the floodplain and the rivers the gila and the colorado kind of come together and so and then all that floodplain is just covered with farm fields and so the doves wake up in the morning out of these these roosting areas in the citrus, Yep, fly down to get water, you know, out of the rivers and whatnot, and then go to feed out in the fields. Yep. And
1: it's just, you know, it, it's everything a dove could want. Yeah, the past couple fields I hunted the past couple of days have all been on the edges of citrus fields. Yeah. And you catch them coming right out of the trees uh, out of the roost, and it's... Yeah, it's been very productive. Yeah, or coming back, you know, a yeah. little bit later in the morning. or mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, because the field we were on Saturday morning uh, yesterday, they came out of the east for about the first two hours of the morning, and then they switched and came out of the west for the next two hours in the morning, <laughs> and you're standing in the same spot. They're yeah. still flying over your head. They just completely do a 180 yeah. on where they're coming from. So, so if, if uh, flying left to right is not
0: your best shot, just wait a couple hours and, yeah, and little, your strong shot will come. You yeah, know? <laughs> exactly.
1: You can pick and choose your shots.
0: What's, what's, what's your least favorite
1: shot on a dove? Like, like What's the hardest one you think for you to make? I don't know. Yesterday, for some reason, I had about five flying straight at me like couldn't be more on a dead frozen rope right at me. And I shot over its head each time. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Normally I like that shot, but I think the hardest shot overall is when they're flying, when you're kind of facing one way and they surprise you and catch you right over the top of your head and they're flying straight away from you. Uh, that, I think that's probably one of the hardest shots to judge. I yeah. I, I think I shoot under them each time. Yeah. I, so, I think for me, like,
0: it's a shot I enjoy, but I'm not like super successful at it. But it's it's the it's the real high flyers coming at you, mm-hmm. like coming in your direction, and you have to throw like a Hail Mary pass to yep. try and get one. Yep. Like th- that's the funnest one to me, but I'm
1: not successful yep. <laughs> at, it at all. Yep. Or the ones going exact or straight left to right, but flying like into the wind, so it's it looks like you could walk faster than they're flying. Right. They're just kind of floating in the wind. And for some reason, I w- I've, I whiffed two of those yesterday too, yeah. and I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm just. <laughs> I feel it's like you could walk over and pluck them out of the sky with your hand, but they're flying so slow. But I don't know. It's, it just gets in your head. Then you yeah. have too much time to think about the shot. The ones where they catch you by surprise and you just kind of quick react and shoot. Yeah, those are the ones that seem to be, you know, hit the ground faster than anything else. Yeah, and then of course, I mean, you'll you'll get those
0: those shots every once in a while that that like. It, you shoot a bird that surprises even yourself that you managed, like you just made a really awesome <laughs> shot and you're like, wow, man, yeah. I I, I've got some decent skills here. You know, yeah. like there's no way I should have, like, like on a, no, any nine times out of 10 on a normal day. Yeah. Like, no, I was off balance. I, you know, I wasn't, wasn't squared up to him and, and yeah.
1: just, you know, all of a sudden it's like, wow, I made that. shot.
0: <laughs> That's pretty yeah. cool.
1: And then 30 seconds later you get humbled real quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for like this slow flying one straight at you where you think it's a slam dunk and you throw three shells at it. and wow. Well, nothing happens. Kid just laughs in your face, keeps going. Yeah. So so let me ask you this, what's what what do you think your shell per bird average is? You know, opening day actually took count. Yeah. Opening day um, opening morning, I had a 15 bird limit um, and I in a box really? 25 shots. Nice. And that was probably one of my better ratios for sure over the past couple of years. Yesterday, I was probably averaging probably four shots a bird. Yeah, yeah, I would say on average. Yeah, I mean the national average is five shots per bird. Yeah, um, I, you know,
0: and I I feel like like on my best shooting days, like when I'm just kind of on my game mm-hmm. or whatnot, you know, um, like three shells per bird is kind of like how I gauge how well I'm shooting. Mm-hmm. If I'm if I'm hanging to that about three shells a bird. You know, I, I'm doing good, and then all of a sudden, like it'll it'll start moving up to like 3.2 or 3.5, or yeah. you know, four, and it's like, okay, I'm having a crappy day. Like, yeah. you just you end up with some of those days where you're just not on your game. No, and it's like, holy crap! Like, yeah, <laughs> like well, I don't know what. Like,
1: I I should just give up this sport at this yeah. point. You know, yeah, I just stopped shooting for a little while and just watch them fly, and, yeah. and then I kind of regain myself. But yeah, opening morning, it was probably the best shot I've ever had. Now, yeah. you know. I just—I was surprising myself because <clears> it was the first shot of the season. I hadn't shot my shotgun in a while. I didn't get a chance to do clays or anything to warm up, and I was just hitting hail marys and like—I don't know if it was just the, the pattern that they were flying, just happened to be like easier shots or what, but it was—it worked out pretty good. Um, and then yesterday, yeah, it was—they were coming for every which way and direction, and and they were flying pretty high too, so you could never. It took a long time to figure out the lead on a lot of them. Uh, I think, I don't feel like I figured it out until like the last two birds I shot yesterday where it was like, okay. I was not giving anywhere near enough lead earlier in the morning, so yeah.
0: I, I think one of the things like that was really kind of eye-opening to me was was it back in 2017? Um, it's when I had I had broken my knee. And so I was, I was limited to a wheelchair. Um, like I was you know, they were like no weight bearing six months. Like, you know, I mean, I was, I was banged up really bad. And, uh, my buddy, Matt, like, you know, we're going to Yuma, you know, we, we gotta go compete in the cook off, And so set a, set me up on the side of the field, sitting in my wheelchair, you know, so I had a place to sit. Well, like trying to shoot from a wheelchair is completely different Mm -hmm. than, than, you know, being able to stand up in full mobility. And so, I actually, during that, I, I, I shot my limit and everything was good, but what I was looking for was picking, like, better shots. Yeah. Because I think when, you know, it's just, like, kind of normal, I mean, I'll, I'll be like, eh, I'll give that a shot. I mean, like, like, I think you take shots that probably aren't, you know, guaranteed a little bit more to, to, to be, you know, a good range, uh, you know, an, an ideal you know, better shooting situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the chair, like, cause I'm, I'm not, I can't twist, you know, I <laughs> like I have this window in front of me and that's it. Yeah. You know, and I got to wait for a bird to get into that window and, you know, be at a good distance and stuff. And um, that actually I, it taught me quite a bit about just shooting in general. Yeah. You know, being stationary, sitting down. Yeah. And I've shot from, from a dove stool before, you know, where I've, I've sat down for a lot of it, but you know, in those situations I could kind of twist and turn and, and yeah. at least a little bit and take shots that I probably shouldn't but yeah you
1: know it was it was much better that way i've noticed too kind of similar along that same line is uh there's been a couple areas where like or a couple mornings where you get into a field or whatever and there's a lot of action a lot of people a lot of hunters kind of lined up around this a field and so your shooting window is fairly narrow like you only have like 10 to 2 to shoot in just for safety reasons yeah and you notice, yeah, you, get, you obviously have to be a lot more selective with your shots, so you tend to shoot a little bit better when you kind of focus that area down. So. you yeah, have to be a little bit more conservative. It's like,
0: "Ah, you know, yeah, I'd be shooting over that guy's head or something if <laughs> I went after that one. right. Wow. So <clears throat> let's talk about the cookoff for Matt. Um, so the cookoff started here in NEMA back in 2016. We started doing this Dove cook off um and uh this was more like a you know city of Yuma you know like b h a wasn't involved at this point and and actually it was uh uh work it, it was kind of started with the help of the culinary school here at um western arizona college um and you know had a had a professor over there she was <clears throat> super awesome and helping and 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 getting the thing off the ground and and started and all that. And so we were kind of working through it. And then I don't know if she changed jobs or what it was, but it was like, you know, it was kind of, kind of floundering. We needed, you know, someone to kind of take it on. And it was right about that time um, that BHA had kind of some, some things going I mean, talk to me about that, like, you know, like the lead up into where BHA was like,
1: you know, we need cook-offs, like, across the country, you yeah. know? So, we, uh, the first time I'd seen it was, you know, I've been a BHA member for a, while, a few years now, and first time I'd seen anything like it was at our national rendezvous in Missoula. Um, we do a national wild game cook-off where it's any kind of wild game, not just uh, any, not, nothing species-specific. And so, we went up there, and my wife and a friend of hers competed in it, uh for the first time i think this is in 2017 and uh got the hint, got to see what it was you know how the setup was what the flow was like what the rules were like you know um what the judging looked like and i was like man this is a lot of fun it was definitely the highlight of the weekend for me um going up there and seeing it and you know my wife had a great time cooking in it and then um, um that was the first year we had done it and we we're like well there's we could do this we could replicate this like the equipment they used was like super simple like stuff you'd take camping anyway you know we already had it um so um kind of got the gears turning and we were thinking about doing it as a chapter at the state level and we were like well, okay well in what way in what fashion you know how would we want to approach it and then so we thought about it for a little while and then um uh i th- i forget how we got um the word about it but in working with like game and fish on a bunch of other stuff um throughout the years we got word that you know and then to come down um the first year was with you um and we came down didn't have the cook-off in um like and in the planning stages or anything like that yet but we we've always heard about yuma and doves and it's how it's like the biggest event yuma has and draws a lot of people doves everywhere so we I think we came down in 2018 you know did a did a few hunts over the weekend um and talked with Game and Fish about you know how we could do some sort of dove event in Yuma on opening weekend and that's when we found out about the cook-off how Game and Fish and the city had kind of been putting this on and they needed somebody to step in and having just been at rendezvous and seeing the cook-off and I figured you know it's something we could take on pretty simply and and try to grow it over the years and um, so we kind of incorporated the rules and kind of the format that our national wild game cookoff has and started doing it here in Yuma. So the first year we actually kicked off was in 19. Um, you know, we spent 18 down here kind of just learning the ropes, how, how the how the season unfolds in Yuma, you know, there's a lot of uh, a combination of like public areas, private areas that you're allowed to hunt on that was new to us. So wanted to get that down and figure out some areas to go and um, after talking with game and fish here uh the city um some local bars and and venues we figured out uh yeah you know it was time to get this thing started so in 19 we did our first one down in downtown yuma at the pine house and did it in their courtyard um during the the block party they had and It was a great year. It was a great first kickoff. I think we had 10 teams compete. um, And I think everybody was blown away at how creative people got with doves. Something as simple as doves where it's not just, you know, poppers like everybody thinks of. So prepared in a bunch of crazy different ways. Stuff that I had never even expected. So, so yeah, that's how it kind of got started kind of organically and just kind of, Led up from that national presence and kind of format, and we kind of scaled it to uh, an Arizona-specific event, and <clears throat> it's kind of an event we want to grow and make bigger and bigger every year and get some traction here in the city and draw some people in from not just Arizona, but you know there's a lot of California hunters that come in too for it, and you know make this like the key marquee event eventually in Yuma, for yeah. an opener.
0: Now, now I'll tell you, I mean, there's, there's a couple of things that I, like, that I, I think you have to really appreciate about the circumstances and, and all that surrounding this cook-off. I mean, one, you know, there's, there's not many species that you could throw a species-specific cook-off for in a season... That you, like, literally go out and collect them and then come do the yeah. cook-off. You know, like, yeah. like if you did an, an elk cook-off, yeah. you know, like, three days after the opener, I don't know how many contestants you have. Like, like right. you can't plan to be like, you know, okay, well, we're going to compete. So, yeah, we'll, we'll go shoot an elk. Yeah. And, and let me just know, go get one down. real quick.
1: and <laughs> chop it up and head down there.
0: Yeah, so, that, I mean, I, I I really appreciate that because that's just, I, I don't know if, you know, people really have thought about that, that, you know, I mean, you just, you can't do that with everything, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I'm sure you could do, like, maybe a duck cook-off on, you know, the opening weekend, you know, like on a Sunday after of the openers of duck seasons around the country or, you know, things like that. But there's, there's a lot of them you couldn't do. Like, mm-hmm. you'd have to kind of, like, hey, you know, the cook-off is, like, a year from now, and you know, like we need to really hunt hard. so yep. <laughs> we can get an elk or we can get a deer. Or, you know, I mean, like whatever it is to be able to bring the event. So at that point, it's already frozen. All that stuff. This is completely fresh. This yep. is straight out of the field. Mm-hmm. You know, hasn't hasn't been frozen still warm. Yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, not that you can cool off doves in Arizona. Yeah, I mean, it's a little hard. <laughs> yeah, um, when it's 100 and some degrees. But uh, and the second thing is is uh, you you touched on it a little bit, but um, you know, for me in the beginning, I, I to me, I thought the Dove Cook Off was very important because it was about showing more ways than poppers. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I love poppers, and I think they're like, you know, there needs to be a. A full investigation into like there should be a book all about just poppers and and you know like, I wholeheartedly like disagree. How hard do they do? They, <laughs> they, you know, different ways it can be made. Like all these like because it's the one thing I will say is poppers, perfect poppers right? Like perfection is hard to achieve. It's hard because the bacon, the bacon either becomes overcooked, you know, and, or, you know, by the time you get the bacon cooked, the dove is way overcooked or Mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of complications. I mean, if, if you've ever had one that's like perfectly nailed, Mm -hmm. oh my Lord, it's, it's delicious. But you know, a lot of times we don't achieve that perfection. Like, and i'm kind of a weirdo i like half-cooked bacon honestly Mm -hmm. my wife's like you're gonna get worms (laughs) because like i just wanted to touch the 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 cast iron like you know just really quick until it kind of turns translucent and i'm just i'm eating it hot straight out of the pan burning my mouth and Mm -hmm. um but I, i get the need for wanting to have like a full crisp layer of bacon over that you know um Cause that's the way it was designed, but like, I'll eat them half cooked. So I, I don't ever let the dove get overcooked. Yeah, I just let the bacon not get fully cooked. So I'm just eating raw bacon, which is what my deal is. But I think the ability to show people, uh, hunters in particular, you know, who poppers have been the only way they've really kind of used or eaten doves to see how creative you can actually be with this kind of meat. Yeah. I mean that's and I know that's a little bit kind of in in your focus in in just really showcasing
1: yeah you know the the ways that dove can be used right yeah i think that's just, um especially with dove because it's such a um yeah it's such a focused effort everybody thinks of just flying poppers but um you know it's the last thing in on my mind that i would i would ever prepare it that way so um i i think we as an organization really make a concerted effort to approach people and connect with people through food. And uh, because if you can connect people with wild game, you can connect people with wild places and um, and sh- stress the importance of you know maintaining healthy habitat, healthy ecosystems, healthy animal populations. It's that bridge to get people that are new or kind of novice hunters or just, um, general population who might not otherwise think twice about it and you know i think food is like the universal medium for everybody to kind of congregate around and approach new ideas and new techniques and new activities with and the more uh variety you have with that food aspect the more people i think you can reach with it and uh you know not just with dove but with anything um wild game related and it gets people to care about it in a way they might not have ever thought about before and uh that leads to other things and getting more involved in conservation or, or anything like that. So it's a perfect first step in for anybody who's, you know, open to that idea. And uh, I think that's ultimately the goal we have with anything we do, food-related, wild game cook-offs or dinners or anything like that. Um, recipes we post or anything um, is that's that's the ultimate end goal: is to get people to care about these things and do it in a fun way where you get some sort of reward at the end of the day with a delicious meal and good times um, shared with friends and um, learning something new. So I think that's the ultimate goal for all of this. And, uh, you know, we look forward to creative, trying new creative things each year by doing that. So, yeah. Well,
0: and I know, I,
1: I mean, you had made the comment last night
0: that you know with some people hunting can be a very difficult conversation because it's emotional yeah right oh my gosh you're killing an animal and all that other stuff and then you know instead of talking to them about the the harvesting part of it you're Mm -hmm. talking about you know the the result of that Mm -hmm. you know the food part yeah that makes a much easier conversation to hopefully get them to understand why you know it is it that we're doing the harvesting, (laughs) you know, um, it's, it's a little bit more connected, especially for people who don't hunt or don't have, you know, a lot of strong emotions. I mean, hunting is definitely to, to explain the full breadth of hunting in a 30 second elevator conversation is, is impossible. Mm -hmm. There's no way to do it. But, um, I, I've, I've kind of had a similar experience where, um, Just in, in writing or, you know, thinking about things that if, if I looked at a a particularly difficult topic um, or controversial or something, but I come, if I come to it from the perspective of food, it gives me a different avenue by which to talk about it. You know, like for instance, catch and keep, catch and release, Mm -hmm. fishing, right? Right. There's, there's kind of a, a major thing there. Well, you know, I like to eat fish. Yeah. And so catch and keep makes sense. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, why do you catch and release? But then you, you kind of buffer that with the idea of, you know, the catch and release is, is there might be a special place or a special time or a special need to do catch and release. Like, like this area okay, we only catch. And you can catch a keep over here in this other water. Yeah. But you know, catch and release is is the management tool. Like you still get to enjoy the resource, you know, and, and the activity mm-hmm. of fishing. You just can't take the fish home and eat it. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and so I think to me, like that's, if you can literally look through the eyes of food at, at there's a ton of topics that it's connected to that I don't think most people are even, you know, fully comprehend or aware of, but, uh, talking about through food changes the perspective or the dynamic mm-hmm. uh, in huge ways. Yeah. Um, is there anything like, on, uh, like you see with that, you know, in, in your discussions now, you know, talking to people,
1: you know, from BHA or coworkers or, you know, people who aren't even connected to it. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is like every time i I make something um, for somebody who's never, never had wild game or never had a specific species or whatever they're always shocked at how good it is they have for some reason people have this thing built up in their mind about you know whatever x species you're talking about of how it's going to taste like just because it's um a wild and they see them running around in the field it's not you know behind a fence on some farm they don't associate it with food for some reason there's that disconnect and when you when you tell them what it is and how you prepare it, they're like, dang, that sounds really good. Like, but I just, I don't know if I could bring myself to eat it. I'm like, well, well why? And uh, they said, well, it just seems, I don't know if it's just like, I don't know if it's an emotional block like people have with certain wild game because um, they see things, you know, glorified or Disney or whatever you want to call it. Um, but every time they're willing to try it, they're blown away. I've literally, I've never had anybody say, I don't like that. Or I don't, now I don't, I don't, I still don't understand why you would eat this. Every Uh. time they're always like, okay, I get it now. They're not, you know, most people aren't ready to go out hunting the next day um, by themselves, but it, it starts that conversation. It gets them, you know, like, okay, I get why you do this now. I get why people would want to do this. It does taste really good. It's not... And, uh, you know, everybody says, oh, it tastes gamey. Like, well, have you ever had it? Do you really know what gamey means? I don't think gamey is just this, this vague, nondescriptive word for people who don't know what something tastes like. And uh, it's not a real word to me. It's like, it, no, it has flavor. That's, <laughs> gaminess is not like a bad <laughs> thing. It's, if that's what you want to call it, I think it's a bad word, but it, it just means it has flavor. It's not chicken. It's, you know, it has some level of nuance to it, so that you're not used to. That's that's the only thing that is probably, I think, what they're tasting. But right. they're always much more open to it after they eat something versus after. You could spend hours talking to them about <laughs> conservation and habitat management and stuff like that, but they still get the glossed over eyes and kind of like lack of interest. But as soon as they taste something. You can see the light bulb turn off, turn on over their head, and it's just that's that's the catalyst. Well, that starts yeah. it.
0: I mean, food is food
1: is the tangible
0: result. Yeah, I think you know it's the tangible result of conservation, of hunting, of mm. investing your dollars or, or whatever. It's the tangible part. It's mm-hmm. the only tangible part. Yeah, you know, I as you were saying, I mean, the 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 portrayal sometimes of of wildlife or whatnot, you know. People see the the mounts on the wall, or you know, oh my gosh, you're some, mm-hmm. you know, you you're just a bloodthirsty, want to hang stuff on a wall, and and mm-hmm. don't understand that those those pieces are more just memories. Yeah. Um, versus, you know, hands down, like here's the meat. Yeah. You know, like this is this is why. Yep. You know, yeah, that's a. Uh, uh, the taxidermy piece or the picture, you know, Mm kind of like, that's just, that's the memory. That's my touchstone to that event, you know, versus like the, the actual nutritive, you know, nutritionally speaking, um, you know, the, the way I've, I've filled my body as well as maybe my soul (laughs) with, you know, that meat um, as, as the actual part. And then, you know, you get to tell stories, cool stories about, you know, Hey, you see that burger on your plate? want to know where it came from where yep
1: (laughs) yeah i find myself doing that with my kids a lot um you know we have my deer from last season on the wall in our living room and every you know when we're eating that that whitetail um and i'm feeding my kids they you know they don't think twice about it anymore but when they first did it like oh well they nicknamed the deer spiky and that that's the head that's on the wall and oh, I was spiky like you know what are we having dinner? Oh we're having spiky. And uh they're I was a little nervous about that because I didn't want them to associate a like named like animal like a pet or anything like that with eating it but so far so good they they'll, they'll still eat it so I yeah. hope that doesn't change or they don't start associating it in a negative way but yeah for me it's like you said it's it's it bring that when every time I glance at that in my living room from this past season it's just it brings me back into the field, you know, during that action, like my daughter was with me and helped me drag it out of the field and got to share in that experience. That's what it reminds me of. I don't think of it any, any any other way, like for anything like taxidermy or pictures or anything like that, it's, it's for the person that did it. It's not for anybody else. It brings you back. It triggers that memory. And, um, it's not meant to be like a bragging or, or anything like that. It's, in in my mind, Uh, it's it's just a keepsake, a memento of time spent in the field and uh, brings you right back into what you were doing and how it all unfolded. And, you know, as you're eating that meal, just kind of feels that much more special. So yeah, yeah, I wouldn't think of it in any other way. And um, it does get glorified, you know, kind of glorified in a negative way sometimes, which is unfortunate, but um, for the person that it belongs to, I don't, I don't think there's a negative thought in their mind about it for most people. So, no, no. And that's, it's, yeah.
0: And I can, I think each person's different. I mean, when, when I think you look at, at taxidermy I mean, mounts and, and things like that, I mean, the, the idea of the old hunters trophy room, like some of those were, you know, it, it was about kind of, conquer and conquest and, mm-hmm. you know, how, how I can, you know, um, yeah. you know, have the, the biggest and best of all these animals, you know, that I've, I've kind of, you know, can show off to all my buddies or yeah <laughs> whatever. And, uh, it, it, the competition aspect of that where, you know, you're, you're trying to outscore you need the biggest, you need the world record, you, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and, and it's cool that, that folks have encountered that animal, you know, to, to reach, that particular size or, or, you know, horn length or, you know, I mean, whatever it is, but um, at the same time, yeah, like to me, it's when I see, you know, any of the taxidermy that I have, it's just like, oh yeah, I I remember that. It's that touchstone for me to the, the past. I want it because honestly, I mean, I wish the meals from those animals lasted as long as the taxidermy did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that'd be the best thing ever. <laughs> you know? It goes
1: way too fast.
0: Yeah. Um, well, because then it would be like, you know, you'd never have to, you know. Mm-hmm. You'd have, <laughs> never have never, never, never to get another. Go shopping again, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, so I want to I swing back into the, into the dev cook-off again. We should talk about the winning dish from this year. Mm. Um, oh, my Lord. Like, so folks at home, like, I'm going to describe this dish to you if I can. I'm going to attempt to do it justice. Um, it was a absolutely wonderful, like, one of the most well-balanced and, like, complimentary meals. Like, every p- component to it mm-hmm. just works so well together. So it was uh, Dove Kofta Meatballs. Uh, It's a lot of spice on stuff cooked in duck fat. as kind of a binder Mm -hmm. Uh, coated in tahini sauce. uh, And then it had uh, kind of this quick flatbread that they made uh, for it. And then they did this like almost like a, like a grilled feta with onion uh, or olives, almonds, dove hearts, Mm -hmm. some seasoning, honey, honey wild honey yeah wild wild harvested honey and then oh then and there was also this relish this pomegranate olive i don't know all the magic that went into that Uh, pomegranate molasses so
1: it was Mm -hmm. it was absolutely delicious yeah and everything made from scratch day of 45 minutes within a 45 minute window yeah like that that was mixing dough um (laughs) from scratch frying it on the grill and yeah chopping up the dove you know doing a makeshift grind you know for the meatballs yeah the level i'm surprised they pulled it off in 45 minutes They, they finished with 20 seconds to spare they pulled it off in 45 minutes with the amount of variety that they had on that plate was extremely impressive yeah it's for for folks who've never competed in a cook-off situation before, and I've,
0: I've done a bunch of them, you, you have to look at the amount of time you have to cook in and, and decide, you know, that kind of helps drive some of the things that you can or can't make. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, having done it several times myself, it, it can be very stressful. Um, and you can fill every single second of that with you know preparation and cooking and all of her stuff, and be like pretty stressed out to try and make it on on time um or you can kind of be like, you know you can back it off a little bit because if something goes wrong and you haven't accounted for something going wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> in your in your window um and you've got it completely filled um it it's it can be hard to recover mm-hmm. um you know i mean I've had I don't know, grease fires (laughs) happened to me, Um, you know, uh, wrong things get added. So you got to like remake, you know, you got to make sure you have enough to, to be able to at least remake, you know, what it is you're trying to do. And, or if you can't, now you have to like think on your feet and adapt and like readjust and okay, here's, here's, here's where we're going to go with it. So um, it, it was, those guys were working hard. It was, I don't even
1: know what, temperature it was yesterday (laughs) outside Uh, it was pretty brutal with the humidity too which is not i mean it's not high compared to other parts of the country but it was high for here and uh, it was is i think that's a that's an aspect of the competition that's worthy of note it's like you're willing to deal with the heat and the and the elements outside while you're doing this this isn't just being hot because it's a kitchen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you like, walk into it already hot, it's soaking with sweat. This is a kitchen yeah. in hell. Like, yeah. You know, this like, is the real hell's
0: kitchen. Yeah, yes. it's it's a it's a torture test for sure. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. That dish, like, I, I there was there was no way it couldn't win. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, exactly. You know, I mean, it was it was delicious. Yeah. Uh, just beyond like. I was so happy to be able to like be a judge and, and try it. Like that was, I was like, uh, uh, I'm I'm going to share uh, my plan right now is, and, and hopefully um, it works out this way, but I want to share this dish, the image of this dish on Instagram for this podcast. Just so, like, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of the, the teaser and to let people see like, yeah, it, it was, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything worked just so well together um you know to 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 think you know kind of middle eastern food um as a uh, you know as a preparation for it um Mm -hmm. i mean if i I was thinking about it afterwards um and you know you you kind of cook within a zone for the most part right you're you're culinary influences or what you're familiar with and and i'm i'm a brave person like i'll step outside of my bounds like okay let me try to understand this different cuisine or this different technique or whatever and some people just aren't you know yeah and that may limit their wild game cooking
1: you know where they're like "Uh, i don't know because i don't want to screw it up i mean you only have like that's the biggest hurdle i think i've heard from the most people and myself sometimes too is like it's such a valuable little bars of gold in your freezer that's like I don't want to. I know these five tried and true recipes are going to be good. And I, if, if I mess it up, I'm losing out on so, such a valuable piece of meat that it's, it's hard for some people to be willing to explore that.
0: Yeah, step outside and, and try that. Because I, I, I can't tell you, I, I, can, I can honestly say I've never thought about Middle Eastern food um, with doves mm-hmm. to that degree. Um now I mean I I think I have maybe just a little bit. Um like I've used uh dates in combination with Dove because we've got a bunch of date orchards down here in Yuma and so like dates are readily available to us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's and it's a good flavor. It's you know, it's got its own kind of unique properties to to try and meld um with doves. I mean, Hank came down here and created the the, the dateland popper, um mm-hmm. which is, you know, uh uh the town probably what is it, fifty miles or forty, fifty miles yeah, outside England. of Yuma. Yeah. Um, where uh you know, like dates really kinda started in Arizona and and then so he took a date and made a popper mm-hmm. um instead of jalapeno. It's a date uh and and uh delicious by the way. Mm-hmm. Um so so are you opposed to that kind of popper, Justin? I know you're you're
1: Well, only <laughs> because it would kill me. Okay. <laughs> I'm allergic to dates. Right, it, right. Along with a million other things. So um uh i enjoy the fact that they're trying something new with a popper that's great yeah. but uh, i would try it if i could yeah. but i can't so yeah I, <laughs> I i have no i have no uh dog in that fight for some for unfortunately yeah i i've
0: i've watched you at different eating gatherings yeah that we've had yep and look of despair on your face sometimes because you're like I so would love so to want, want to, eat, to that. eat this, but I feel <laughs> like, like I, I, I also
1: like enjoy not going to the hospital. Right? So, <laughs> you're like that looks so good, it smells really good, but you're like you yeah. know that's the it, hardest thing to deal yeah. with. Like because I I want to be a much more adventurous eater, but I physically can't, yeah. and it sucks because you know I do these cook-offs and um, attend a bunch of them you know put on a few of them every year and uh the level of variety and stuff I just I wish I could do more but I can't so yeah. I I really value the ones that I can cuz it's somewhat limited yeah. so well when Michael would do his uh his annual um uh potluck new year's oh, eve new
0: year's eve yeah. thing um Justin like runs around to everyone is like is like quizzing them on
1: all the ingredients they put in yeah <laughs> cuz he's yeah. like
0: I need to know what I can eat I need what to I can know.
1: like is this going to end badly for me right. or am i going to be good yeah because so. you got to see what what
0: what dishes off the potluck that he, he can have and stuff like that right um but uh so <sighs> where where are you thinking about um the dove cook
1: off in the future i mean like you kind of you know i kind of want to um we spent some, part of this weekend uh scoping out venues for next year and right and uh trying to get a, a, a more of a head start than this past year. Um so um I I think the first year we did it we did it downtown Yuma, kind of on Main Street there, like where all the, you know, attractions are, restaurants and bars and stuff like that, where a lot of people congregate naturally anyway. Mm-hmm. So um we toured some spaces that the city has at the Yuma Arts Center. I think that would be a good fit. Um, I think we'll do some things that we haven't done in the past to make it more comfortable for people attending. You know, it is hot. Um, That's part of the charm of Yuma. So um, we'll embrace that, but also try to make it to where um, people can have a good time and not worry about, you know, being uncomfortable. So there is a couple areas uh, or a couple venues that they have here downtown that I think would be a great fit. We can have everything, you know, kind of, here uh insular into uh the event space and do uh, you know combination cookoff uh, do the judging you know roll right into a pint night in the same space, you know, kind of have it be a uh an extended evening and just be a be a one fun way to cap off the weekend for the opener next year and uh, so I think that's more likely what we're gonna do and um eventually try to turn this back into you know. I think my ideal goal would be um turn this into a whole big block party right in downtown Yuma and get the whole city involved. Yeah. So
0: maybe like what maybe like what we need is is like a a band or something. Yeah. Like going on while the while the cook off's going on as well and sure and kind of like, you know, if you could like cordon off a street get it okay with the police so that people can walk around with beers. Mhm. Check out the Dove Cook-Off, go listen to music, Yeah, have stuff going
1: on, kind of yep. just blow it up huge. Oh, yeah, have something for everybody, have some bounce houses for the kids or whatever. Um, I think the first year there was a car show that was going on, too. Brought in a bunch of new people that wouldn't have otherwise not have even known about it. So, yeah, you know, make it a big, big event in the future years to come, I think, would be the ultimate goal. Uh, oh. Make it make it an attraction for Yuma to come you know it's worth the drive it's uh if you're in the valley or other parts of the state or california you know make it a destination to come to and an event worth traveling for yeah so if if
0: someone's out there and they're listening to this and they're like you know i might be kind of interested in in competing yeah instead of cook-off uh but they're like kind of unsure this point like like wh- what's
1: what's the pitch to be like you should come i guarantee you will not have a bad time <laughs> it, it is while you're cooking it's a little stressful because you're you have a time limit and you're worried about getting things perfectly and just so and and doing a good job but i'll tell you what every team that's that i've seen ever do it i don't think in the years that we've done it there's never been a team that didn't finish on time There's, um, you know, never a team that said, "Man, that sucked," you know. I was way stressed out. Whatever, I don't want to do it ever again. Every single one of them said, "I, that's, this was a lot of fun." Um, They were, they all started for the first time, you know, at some point. So, uh, I think even if you come and are completely unex, you know blown away by the other contestants on how detailed and creative they get. And you, you think, oh, I can't make anything that fancy. Yes, you can. Anybody can do it. Um, and it's not just about being like, you know, fancy or getting creative or overly technical or overly difficult. It's how well you put it together. You know, how well does that dish fit? I think, um, how does it tie together? How creative is it? Um, I think there's just so much you can do that you can't do it wrong that i think uh everybody brings a unique aspect to it and i think you'd be pleasantly surprised at what you you can do yourself um and how it would be received um and if you want to just come to have fun and just you know even if you don't think you can win i think anybody has a chance at any given time you don't know what's going to happen with the other teams they could drop the dish on the floor at the last <laughs> second. You can, you know, there is burn a- Burn stuff, stuff catches on
0: fire. Yeah, you can
1: burn it. You could mangle your dove as you're cutting it up. You, there's all stuff, the stuff that could happen, but that's the fun of the event. That's that's the fun of the thrill of competition. That's, it's making it, um, you know, I would just say don't, don't get into your own head about it, you know, just come have fun. It's just like you're preparing a camp meal, uh, you know on a hunt or at your campsite, it's just, it's just fun. And you shouldn't think of it any other way. It shouldn't be a reason to have stress. It shouldn't be, you know, a reason to be anxious. It's just, it's just fun. It's just a way to present and share food with friends. So uh, it's, yeah, not, shouldn't be thought of as something that would be um, stressful. Yeah.
0: So for me personally, I think what I tell people, um, having done, a number of these cook-offs. Like the best part, I mean, like uh, executing my dish is like my goal. Like as long as I successfully ex- execute the dish I wanted to cook, mm-hmm. that that to me at that point is a win. Yeah, I, I made it in time limit. It's it's how I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Wherever the chips may fall, you yeah. know. Um After that, but uh, the cooler aspect to me has been the people I've met friendships I've made, you know, with other competitors. Um, but also, you know, kind of as you were pointing to, like it's, it's learning from them, you know, seeing what they did, getting, you know, tips, tricks, texting. I mean, like I'm taking, I'm, I'm taking this, this Mediterranean winning dish this year, like into my own, like, Oh, okay. You know, it's kind of a, you know, Mm -hmm. here's, here's something I, I, you know, wouldn't have thought to do with doves on my own. Yeah. And so to me, that's kind of inspirational where I can like be like, oh, you know, yeah, maybe we should, you know, explore. Maybe I need to explore a little bit more of my own kind of culinary journey with, with Wild Game and stuff like that, you know, into this arena. And because um, it was like phenomenal. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the relationship building with those guys, sitting with them last night, talking their pint night and, and uh, you know, having having a really great conversations and those kind of things long-term are even more valuable, mm-hmm. you know, than saying,
1: Hey, I want, I want this cook. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's, yeah, that's, that's the perfect way to approach it is like, Hey, just, it's a, it's a way to connect with people. Um, it's a way to learn on new techniques, new, new styles of cooking. Um, yeah. Every year I'm, I was like, I would have never thought of that somebody comes up with something that is just like and uh, give me a hundred lifetimes, I would have never thought of that. And uh yeah, if you approach it in that way, there is no downside. So Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna like come up with a popper specifically for Justin. Like it should be like
0: it's it's probably gonna be like dove stuffed in a pickle. <laughs> I yeah, no. Breaded and fried or something. Yeah.
1: I mean maybe but like fried pickle popper doves for, for Justin. So maybe. I just for some reason like I have this thing about, like, I don't, I've, like, I never breast my birds out. I always pluck them whole. Right. Every single time. Uh, Even if I wind up cutting all the meat off and not utilizing, you know, not grilling it or cooking it whole, um, I still pluck them whole because I never know exactly what I'm going to do with it. So, like, the idea of breasting out the bird for specifically a popper or something like that just doesn't sit well with me. Like, it's like you have the whole animal, utilize it, you know, in some way, you know, and uh, granted, I mean, if if there was ever an animal, uh, to just breast out or whatever, it would be a dove compared to anything else, like, you know, as far as utilization goes, it's like you're not gaining that much more. But like, the skin to me, like, you lose out on like the flavor of the skin and no. all that kind of stuff, so. That's one of the reasons I shy away from poppers, but otherwise, you know, you know, it's just cream cheese. Also, is just a vile substance, and <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't know. Maybe you replace it with like nacho cheese, and I'm in. Yeah. But um, the, yeah, it's just uh, it's for, and then f- it's such a common thing that I kind of shy away from that too because it's it's the standard, and it's like eh, well. Been there, done that. What else is there? You are just a rebel, you want to break the rules. Yeah, like, I just break, want to be like, like, Well, what else is there? Like you know, yeah, yeah. You're challenging there. authority. Yeah. If poppers are the authority, we're not we're <laughs> not following that. Exactly. Like, so it's like, uh, you know, I've done that a hundred times, you know. You can only have so many. Like what else is there <laughs> to do? Well so, I mean, you can only have so many at a time. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So
0: you know, there's yeah. always tomorrow or next season or you know. Like yeah, you can always have more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I, I have to say, I, I truly appreciate the popper as tradition. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's opening day food fair, you know, like, like, okay, we shoot doves. We should eat a popper or two, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like that's
1: But then after that, let's, let's, you know, get into the other stuff. And it's the perfect gateway, probably preparation for anybody who's never tried Dove or whatever. It's like, that's something probably almost everybody's going to love. So I I get that aspect of it. It just tastes like bacon. Yeah. It's tastes like bacon and (laughs) And cheese. Who doesn't like bacon? Yeah. That's that's one, that's the one universal food. Like I think everybody shares is bacon. So you wrap anything in bacon gonna be somewhat good so yeah
0: and i mean for people i've met a lot of people who are scared of spice heat oh and yeah. stuff you know and um i i've been able to kind of change a lot of their minds when when you process a jalapeno um and really take the time to remove all the veins mm-hmm. all the seeds you know to the point where it's just the the more, like, peppery, like a bell pepper. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's no more hotter than what a bell pepper is. Mm-hmm. When you really... Uh, I like playing Russian roulette, too, though. Like, some of them, I'm like, I only have to. Yeah. So when you're having a popper, like, everything's going along fine. Then you get one, you're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah.
1: There's so much variety you know, in jalapenos that yeah. some could just light your world on fire, even yeah. if it's just a jalapeno. But, uh,
0: you know, to, to get people kind of stepping in that world. Um, my dad was one of those guys, like, he spice was not his like if it had any heat he was not a fan Mm -hmm. um and that's an exposure level to like you know people with wild game you know it's having that exposure to where you know yeah, the whole idea of gaminess or you know and and likely there is i think some of that in terms of some game meats just like a light a lightness to it but overcooked game meat there's definitely like a strong, there's, you know, yeah, there's, that's a completely different profile for sure. But then, you know, like, like with heat levels, I mean, I'm not sitting here chomping on like ghost peppers or whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I think there's a time and a place for some of the, the, the spice and heat. Cause people are like, man, I just don't, I don't understand like why you put hot sauce on eggs in the morning or, you know, like what I'm like, well, it, it, enhances it for me mm-hmm. you know like how can it when your like whole face is on fire and I'm like going yeah I mean it might be for you your first time. Mm-hmm. it's kind of like whiskey right yeah um I, I learned a lot about whiskey over the course of the last year and and so it's a poison right yeah and so your body has a biological physical reaction on to the first drink of whiskey which is why the first drink you actually don't taste the flavor of the whiskey your salivary glands have that response where they immediately salivate and it's it's trying to protect you and your mouth and yeah. like it recognizes poison right away yeah and you know you swallow it but um, the second, like if you can acclimate your your salivary glands and your tongue to the fact that oh we're going to continue to get poison in a a more moderate way letting it sit in your mouth for a number of seconds or, or, you know, just to, to acclimate it, then you can actually start picking up those background flavors and that, that distilling process. And Mm -hmm. I think game has some of that where like, I've often told a lot of people, particularly like, you know, the first time they're eating wild game or whatnot, I'm like, slow down. You're not eating to live. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Like, like taste what's going on. There's, There's a ton of subtleties in certain meats or you know preparation methods and all that other stuff like really get a chance to just don't like like so often i just think like you know we just we eat on autopilot yeah it's just yeah you know like literally slow down and taste the food let it sit on your tongue you know feel the texture feel you know taste taste the the subtleties are coming out of it um and that with this dish at this this thing i mean that's what it was it was like like, okay, I got to try a little bit of the meatball. Put it in my mouth, let it sit. Oh, wow. Like, this is, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, for, for being a very powerful dish in terms of, you know, bold flavors and stuff like that, like, it was just, it was nice to just kind of let it settle and understand it more, mm-hmm. you know, how, how the spices worked with doves and, and, you know, complimenting each other and, and that salsa. Oh my God, Lord. I could, I could probably eat just bowls of that. <laughs> they just wanted to make me a, a big bowl. Yeah. I could have
1: just ate the salsa. I'd have been happy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It smelled fantastic. Yeah. But it was one of those things. I think I was talking to the guys afterwards that made the winning dish and, uh, cause we were doing some cleanup, you know, cleaning up the, uh, the equipment and stuff. And, I asked him to wipe out the frying pan because I told him. I think literally every ingredient you used would try to kill me. So, <laughs> if, if you, like, it smelled fantastic and it was absolute torture watching them prepare it and then watching you and the other judges eat it. I was just like, oh, man, there's just one, yet, yet one more thing that's just going to drive me nuts because it looks amazing. But, um, yeah, I think almost literally everything they put in other than the dove and the feta was and the bread. I think if I just put dove feta, feta and, and bread, bread, you'd have been okay. I'd have been all right, but it might have been a little bit bland. <laughs> but, <laughs> all the other ingredients, yeah. So, all of the olives and walnuts, and I don't know, did they use like avocado oil to fry it? Maybe I don't know, might have been so. I don't know, but um, yeah, other than that, it was other than my the torture it put me through, yeah. it was fantastic to watch. Yeah, it, it, I,
0: I love the irony in that a guy who could probably die from eating food <laughs> yeah. is, is in charge of a cook-off. Yeah, know. yeah,
1: for sure. Like, why not? Why not? That make perfect sense. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I, I,
0: I thought it was a great event this year. Um, you did a great job with it. Uh, it, it just, you know, yeah, it's all part of this busy opener through the weekend. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm just always surprised and impressed how, like every year there's just like it just keeps growing some Mm -hmm. form or
1: fashion Mm -hmm. um you know they there was just whether it's like the creativity of the food it just gets more and more out of bounds and it's just ridiculous yeah or yeah i think that's to me that's the biggest thing that i'm shocked by every year is how they uh, all the teams somehow outdo themselves every year even if they've never been there before, it's just the, it, the, the dishes get elevated every year and it's, it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's,
0: it's always, I, and from a competition standpoint, actually competing in these things um, for like, when, when you're going up against people who are bringing their A game, mm-hmm. like it, it helps you to elevate yourself and be better. Yep. Like, like it makes you be your best in, in the overall, you know, and and helps push you further. And mm-hmm. you know, starting to think about it because it's like it, you kind of walk away from any event, win, lose or draw, and you know, it's it's rolling around in your mind, and you're you're like thinking about the next one. Mm-hmm. You're starting like you know, it's already a year away, <laughs> but you're yeah. like, okay, what, what what can we do next year? Like, you know, how can we?
1: Oh, did you see the dish they made? Or yeah, like yeah, there's it's already cuz i remember even at the at our national rendezvous the wild game cook off there where it's the, nothing at that cook off is species specific so it's kind of just any wild game so people get like super creative with it but um the first year we went and the first couple years they started doing it you could see like some people were like when you when some of the other state chapters went in and competed you could see like there was a bar that was set the first year i went to it and uh as far as how, how detailed how creative how over the top the dishes were like you know you, you start out like at that bar and like the teams were like serving the judges with like plastic knives and forks and past paper plates and it would look like something you'd make in your backyard you know that kind of thing you know simple like elk burgers or you know something like that and be like Okay, cool. Yeah, everybody makes that, tastes great, whatever. But then the next year, like, you start getting into, like, like, like I think the first year we went, or the second year we went, the, uh, I think Oregon won that year. And they, they like, they had one of their competitors, like, overnight, their, the seafood that they had freshly caught, like, the day before, for like a paella, or, or no, it was a Chipino. Oh. And it was like, okay, you're making a ci- so fresh seafood cioppino, um on a two-burner camp stove <laughs> 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 in 45 minutes. And it was, it was amazing. And I was like, okay, that's, that raised the bar. And then the next year, my wife and her friend, another board member's wife, competed and raised the bar even higher because I think we were the first team I think Arizona was the first team to introduce a cocktail that accompanied the dish and tied the whole thing together. And then that was the next bar that raised. That was the next thing you had to think about. And then the following year, every other state just started doing a cocktail that does accompany the dish. And there's uh, so like every year, each state tries to outdo the others or come up with something new. And um, yeah, every year that bar is elevated and I'm excited to see that happening here too. Yeah. And I and I think you do just naturally see that
0: where yeah it, it'll it just kind of takes on a life of its own mm-hmm. its own kind of culture and society within it yeah um and uh yeah just and and just being you know the 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 humble meager dove yeah um on you know silver you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> grandma's China or something like that. You know, it's, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, I mean, it's, it, it's a, I, I personally, I love doves. Mm-hmm. I think they're like one of the coolest birds, you know, yeah. going, uh, for a number of reasons, but it's, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a humble meal. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to, to try and put together. Cause they're, they're pretty delicate birds. You don't, you know, there's, they don't require a lot of cook time. No, yeah, you know um, that's one of the things I appreciate the most. Um, more of it, like I think you spend more time in preparation, um, mm-hmm. for <laughs> sure. Know? Butchery and preparation that you do in actually cooking it. Oh yeah, um, to where you want it. So, but no, I, I'm I'm excited to see where this goes uh, into the future as well. It's uh, as I was I was telling someone, you know, if if you look at doves and pigeons and stuff you know like in europe the the pigeon squab type stuff i mean is is like high table fare Mm -hmm. you know it's some of the most elegant and and then here in the states dove is tailgate food yeah Uh, yeah you know in a lot of ways like that's the way most folks who are hunting doves you know get it it's it's tailgate food and then you have an event like this where it's like it can be more yeah you know You want to be, I'm glad that we can, we can run that spectrum from, you know, what can you fix on your tailgate? Like a popper. Yeah. To, you know, cough to meatballs and something (laughs) that would fit right in a
1: a gourmet restaurant. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was, it was impressive. So,
0: well, thanks for hanging out with me
1: for a while, man. Yeah. I appreciate the invite. This has been fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good way to cap off the weekend for sure. Yeah. Now it's, Back to the grind in the air conditioning. Yes. I think so. <laughs> yep.
0: Headed back to Phoenix after this. It, it, it's kind of like, kind of like, yeah, being sonized for <laughs> yeah a couple of days. Yeah. When you spend that much time outside and and everything, because you've been outside. I mean, you were outside yesterday. I mean, pretty much almost oh, all day
1: from three thirty a.m. to midnight. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, getting you know, we because we had our group hunt yesterday morning with some members. And uh, yeah, we got to our dove field three three thirty to make sure we had our spot for enough people to spread out. Yeah, been in, and then rolled right from there to got a quick breakfast and then headed over to start setting up for the, the cook off and then rolled right into the pint night. So yeah, fun full day of Yuma heat. Well, good news is, I mean, you got you know three hour ride. Yeah, um, I, I you know
0: I mean. You might do something like I don't know, crazy like listen to a podcast on your home or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seems I fitting. I could recommend
1: one. <laughs> Seems fitting. Yeah.
0: Well, I appreciate you, man. I, I, I think it was a great event. Thanks for having me as a judge. Like, yeah, I appreciate um, all your help on it. Yeah, it was it was it was super awesome. So uh and I wanna thank you guys, the listeners, uh, for tuning in for another episode. Uh, appreciate you guys even more all the time. So uh Check us out on the next one here in a couple weeks.